0: Heavenly Father, we come before you this Lord's Day thanking you, God, for who you are in our lives. God, making us uh, just better people, more holy, uh, more loving, uh, just more focused upon the things of the kingdom and not things of the world. I pray that you will continue to transform our mind uh, continuously as we look at Scripture, as we dive into Scripture. I pray that our hearts will be continuously stretched and our minds stretched to love you more, to know you more. And I pray that this morning you bless the study, uh, you bless the word, God, that is coming from you, Lord. And I pray that our lives will be ministered and as well as challenged in in the areas that we need to be challenged and encouraged in other areas. And we pray this in Christ's name, Amen. First Peter chapter one. I'm going to pick up from verse 22 that we looked at last week. And again, just for note, if you ever miss miss one of the teachings, uh, you can you can look at it up. You can look it up um, in uh, and, uh, in the podcast, so if, if you want to get caught up, they're all on there, uh, literally, verse by verse, so just in case you ever miss one, you can go back on there and, and check out the, the previous one. His word reads like this, since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart, for you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable, that is through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls off. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. So we looked at obedience to the truth, and we looked at purified uh, your souls last week, and and goes into a sincere love of the brethren, and then we looked at being fervently loving one another, wholeheartedly. We see Peter's appeal. Uh, to this salvific truth that we are now born again, that we are now uh, new creations in Christ Jesus, and because of that, love ought to be flowing out of us in a way that it didn't before. Uh, and, and so, and this—if you notice—that all the majority of chapter one is about salvation. It's about our hope and our assurance in salvation, and Peter is emphasizing a lot. Uh, that you are now different, you have now been changed, uh, you now believe a, a gospel truth that changes the whole man, the whole woman, it changes the mind, the heart, it completely renews us. And so, it, it, and Peter is emphasizing, uh, I mean, we looked at salvation in all the possible angles when it comes to chapter 1, and and because it's going to go into uh, into the, the, the suffering area of the church and, and the saints were going through difficult times, But Peter really, really wants to establish a a point that we have to acknowledge and look to our salvation to find the strength that we need to endure in all circumstances. You know, because he says, for you have been born again. As a direct result of this work of God in our lives, a sincere love ought to be flowing through us constantly. Not just weekly, not just uh, periodically, not just during some seasons. We should constantly uh, be producing this love. You know, the old man has died, behold the new. You know, the old selfish, self-centered man has died, and now the Lord has made all things new in our lives. A new birth and a new love. That is the focus here. We, we're looking at a new birth and a new love that is not selective. There's no favoritisms. There's no distinctions. Uh, there's no selectivity. You know, it's just we love. We have to practice to be loving people. <clears throat> Excuse me. In John chapter 1, verse 12 and 13, let me just make a point on this. Uh, you know, he says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Again, our rebirth is not an act of human will. It is the act of God. It is God's work in our lives. It is the work of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in our lives. It is a triune work. And so this is the love that we're talking about. It is the work of God, and its primary source is the Scriptures. You know the primary source of our rebirth is the word of god you know the proclamation the preaching the teaching of the gospel is where man sees the way the truth and the life are only found in jesus christ it is through the revelation of scripture the word of god is a mirror you know where where no one escapes you know when when we look at the word of god when we read it It serves as a mirror into our lives, you know, and what we see, we can see sin, righteousness and judgment are before us. Life is set before us. You have life and you have death. You choose your path, you know, and he, you know, the word of God, you know, with the help of the spirit, you know, is piercing our hearts. Uh, you know, our stony hearts, and all we can do when we come to the truth, when we look at this, when we look at our, our current situation without Christ, we have to cling to the only salvific truth that is the gospel of Jesus Christ who transforms us and gives us a new love. You know, for there we will find mercy, grace, and rest for the soul. Peter is telling the saints their love is grounded deeply, you know, and rooted deeply upon this salvation that comes from the gospel. You know, that is through the word of God. You know, the gospel, which is, which is in the word of God, you know, must richly dwell within us so that, you know, not only our love, but all things, you know, will be done as he desires. It is the work of scripture in our lives that is continuously uh, transforming us to be as he desires us to be. You know, we looked previously a few weeks back into the subject of holiness. And in reality, scripture is, is that's what it's doing. It's making us more holy. Uh, it's making us to be more set apart of the world and, and more, uh, more bearing the image of him. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he says, "Let no one, uh, let no one deceive you." Uh, uh, in another scripture, says, "Let no one deceive you with empty words, you know, or perishable words." You know, we must anchor our mind and heart and soul upon the scriptures. And when it comes to this topic of love, it needs to be anchored upon something, right? It, it cannot just be, "Well, whatever I feel is going to be love." That's the problem with humanity. We must anchor it. And, you know, because this becomes our basis, the, the word of God, it becomes our substructure. It becomes our cornerstone for all our values and ethics. You know, and it, everything begins for the Christian in the mark of love. It ha- there ha- that's an identifying mark for the believer in Jesus Christ, that we manifest his love, not artificially, but that we do this as a natural thing because of jesus christ you know and the hows uh, when it comes to love and the whys are all in his divine counsel you know the divine word the scriptures so we must look to the word of god because at times you know we, we need to know this how this works or why and this is why we have the divine counsel of scriptures you know peter's emphasis on fervently loving one another is no small matter You know, when he says you must fervently love one another as believers in Jesus Christ, you know, not only have a sincere love, but you guys ought to be fervently loving one another. That is not a small matter. You know, one of the most tragic things of Christianity is a lack of love. That is a tragic thing, you know, to be an unloving person and claiming to be a Christian. You know that that you know because the lack of love it brings a ripple effect into your life you know of problems such as disunity you know when, when when there's a lack of love when when we when there's more self-love than there is for a neighbor you know we we divide over we can say petty things you know such as methods styles and forms and things that have nothing to do with the kingdom of god the kingdom of God does not consist on styles and forms and methods. It consists upon the power of the Holy Spirit. It, it consists of who He is. It doesn't consist of what my preferences are. So our loving character ought to be exemplified in all the things that we do and who we are. So we don't divide over all small matters. You know, the saints can disagree. That is for sure. You know, even the uh, even the disciples, the apostles, we see didn't always agree. So obviously. You know we can disagree but never be unloving to one another in our disagreements. You know without love we are lost. Without love we truly as Paul says in Corinthians 1 Corinthians chapter 13 we are nothing at the end of the day. If we give our lives if we prophesy if we do all these great things but we lack love, you know it's just noise. It's just a waste of time, it's a waste of effort because we are nothing without love. It needs to be grounded upon Christ. You know, a love that is anchored in His Word is the greatest thing that we can possess. It it, it truly is the greatest thing. It is more valuable than even your spiritual gifts. To bear the love of Christ, it is much greater. That's why, that's why Paul says, I'm going to show you a more excellent way, right? There's a more excellent way. Maybe we're not going to have all these gifts. Maybe we're not going to be the most charismatic person or the most gifted person, however you want to categorize that. But the greatest thing that we can possess is the love of Christ in our lives. And not only for, for, the, for the believers, but for our neighbor, for everybody else to make the light of Christ shine through us. You know, the Word of God helps us not become isolated, you know, in our denominational cliques. You know, Scripture teaches us how we are all connected together. It is it is through the gospel that we learn this togetherness, that we learn what it means to be a body, that all over the world, we have brothers and sisters. All over the world, people who look differently than us, people who worship differently, people who, uh, who speak different languages, people who who, who um, fellowship different, whose, uh, whose uh, Sunday uh, service is different. It doesn't matter. What matters is that we are connected through the body of Christ because His blood is what transforms us, not our preferences, not our styles. So our love needs to be anchored upon that. We need to look beyond... We can say our Christian bubble that we live in. We need to understand that the body of Christ is much greater than our denomination, much greater than what we can see. It's huge. You know, The the the, the uh, and, and so this love that we have, it, it must transcend just what we see, what we know, and what we feel, and our preferences. It needs to go beyond that. And so that's Peter's emphasis. You know, no one group or fellowship or congregation, just to make a note on this, you know, can claim any special elite position or special knowledge. That's the beautiful thing. No one group can claim anything special. You know, uh, you know, no one has all their ducks in order, we can say. You know, no group is error free. This is why we must be loving. There is only one head and his name is Jesus Christ. There, There is only one who regenerates the soul. There is only one body, one family, one church, one baptism, all believers are brought into the fold, into the household of God by the same means. Believing the gospel of Jesus Christ through the living and enduring word of God. This is how we all come into the same fold. That is why love it needs to be, there's nothing we can boast about except the fact that we know him, the fact that he knows us, the fact that we have the love of Christ. You know, there's nothing, we, we contributed nothing to this salvation. You know, it, it's God's work in our lives, redeeming us. We were lost in our, in our trespasses and sins, and he loved us while we were lost, and he rescued ours. he rescued our souls, he rescued our minds, he rescued us. From the domain of darkness that is why we ought to be exemplifying love we ought to be the most loving people because we should understand how wretchedly lost we were you know and you know he chose the lowest things You know, He chose the most shameful things. He chose the most foolish things, you know, and and to redeem, to make new, to make whole again. Therefore, we have no special claim, no room to be unloving and divided. We have no special claim. All we are are sinners that are saved by the blood of the Lamb. We have been redeemed by Him. It doesn't matter where we're from, where we congregate, what language we speak, how we worship, what matters is that we have the love of Christ in our lives. So this is what makes us whole. This is what makes us, this is what fills us. This is what makes us who we are, the love of Christ. Again, this goes beyond talents, abilities, and gifts. The love of Christ is the greatest thing that we can possess and i'm not exaggerating i'm that's that's the reality we must it it, what what the greatest commandment is what to love the lord your god and and the second one is similar is, is to love your neighbor as yourself you see love is an important mark for us it is not it is not um uh it is not up to uh up to us to decide if we want to or not no this this needs to flow out of us because of christ jesus you know, first, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 and 6, uh, the Apostle John says something like this, By this we know that we have come to know Him, if we keep His commandments. The one who says, I have come to know Him, and does not keep His commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in Him. But whoever keeps His word in Him, the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in Him. The one who says He abides in Him, Ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. You know, we cannot separate God love his commandments and our lifestyle we cannot separate we cannot just say well I worship God I believe in God you know but I love who I prefer you know and I choose what commandments I want to follow and and this is my lifestyle that's that's not the way the the way that Christ has taught us right God is connected to love for God is love his commandments are connected to him for this is the word of God and our lifestyle is connected because now now we live for the glory of God and now ourselves. And so all this is connected. We cannot separate. This is the problem uh, with, with many people. You know, they believe in God, you know, by lips, you know, but their heart is far from him. You know, they they, they, they believe that there is, uh, uh, you know, the man upstairs, right? They believe that, uh, that somebody's watching, you know, but their love doesn't demonstrate that, you know, therefore they don't keep his commandments and therefore their lifestyles reflect something Else, and so God' love, His commandments, and lifestyle must be connected. This is what um, this has truly, uh, as John says, uh, this has truly been perfected in us. When 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 we are walking according to His word in obedience, you know this will flow out of us. You know, the one who says that he abides in him ought himself to walk as he walked. You know, if, if we say that Christ is our Savior, then let us walk that way. You know, if, if we say that Jesus has redeemed us... Then let us live in gratitude. You know, if we say, you know, that we, you know, once we're lost and now we're found, we once were blind and now we see, then let us live that way, you know, through the way we love one another. You know, love, follow me close here, love cannot live on a branch of abstract values floating in the world of subjectivism you cannot have love just out there in the world and just up for grabs and say well it's 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 up to it's just subjectivism no that that's that's not how god has grounded this our love must be grounded upon something it's not an abstract metaphysical truth just floating around in the air no 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 it's grounded upon the person upon the word of god You know, in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12, it says that, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as of the, the division of soul and spirit, both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That is where we ground our love because we need to be reminded we need to be corrected we need to be uh, to be uh, exhorted at times to be reproved we need to be encouraged we need the living word of god constantly in our lives to remind us you know what that attitude wasn't so good that response was probably out of line or maybe we need encouragement saying keep on keeping on the ways of God it is the living and enduring word of God the Bible is not a dead archaic book it is the living word of God for our lives and this is where we ground our love for this reminds us it teaches us day to day how we ought to be conducting ourselves how we ought to be walking and the word of God itself as we read it we will be corrected we will be encouraged we will be uplifted we will be filled it does the whole work because it's God speaking to us uh, uh, through his word you know no one no one can escape the veracity of the sword of the spirit that is the word of God no one the sword of the spirit no one can escape this you know his word hits and enters the deepest chambers of man that's what that's what it says in Hebrews the the word when the word is preached you know it, you know it, it's it, 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 it's just let loose and it does the work itself it's not the preacher it's not the teacher it's not it's not the, the what with the messenger it's the word of God that once we let it loose it does the work itself because it is living and active and it it transforms the souls of people you know his word again it hits the deepest chambers of man the deepest chamber the 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 darkest secrets of, of of man that's where the word of God pierces you know this is why it transforms the humble and contrite and it upsets you know and, you know those who ignore and are hardened you know and are rebellious it upsets certain people the Word of God it doesn't just comfort everybody you know it, it does upset us at times if we're being if we're becoming hardened or callous because of sin it it, it, it almost it, it's it almost bugs people when you read the Bible to them because it convicts them of the way that they're living you know it, when they hear the word of God it's not it's not a sensual song it's not beautiful it's not lovely why because they're living against the will of God and God is piercing them God is change. God is uh, is knocking in their heart saying I want you to change you know I want you to stop doing this I want you to change uh, certain habits certain certain uh, ways of speech it's the word of God it's not it's not anybody who's going to change us. it's God himself you know God says come as you walk but as as we know he never leaves us as we are he's always changing us and even a year two years 10 years 20 years later in the gospel the gospel is still actively changing us because i think you guys can testify how much we need that in our lives you know truth makes people uncomfortable truth will always make people uncomfortable in all areas of life but specifically in the gospel truth you know because we look you know we all look in the mirror, and are confronted by the things that we need to change, or modify, or purge out. That's the truth. When we look at, when we look at scripture, we're looking at the mirror of truth, you know, where we all see our flaws, and we realize, you know what, I have not arrived. I still need to fix things. I have not arrived. I, I, I'm still not completely done, and that is good, because we realize, and we're humbled, and we're, and we're moldable, and we are teachable, you know, when we think that we have arrived, we are no longer teachable, you know, therefore there is no more remedy, you know, that's my opinion. You know, the unteachable soul is just, it's completely lost, you know, we must be teachable at all times, you know, at, at the same time, the word of God does not just uh, uh, confront us and pierce us um, and, and uh, you know, and, and move us to change. But the word of God at the same time restores the soul. It brings peace to us, you know, and it it, it fills the mind and heart with the peace of Christ. This is why when we read scripture during hard times, something, um, something divine is happening, something majestic happens in our lives that we know that God is with us. We know that he's with us because we read it and he works in our lives. But at the same time, when we're walking uh, waywardly and when we're, when we're walking disobedience, it's the Word of God that is constantly reminding us, hey, that was not correct. Or, 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 or just redirecting our path because we're prone to uh, walk on rabbit trails in this life and leave the narrow path for distractions in life. You know, when we adopt an attitude of being unloving, This is why the word of God is necessary, because we may adopt an attitude of being unloving at times. And the question, like the psalmist says, is who can warn us of the dangers if not the word of God? Who can discern his own errors? I mean, can man really just discern all his errors without the word of God? Who can keep us back from presumptuous sins, says a Psalmist, without the Word of God? Who can redirect our souls back to the blessed path without the Word of God? You know, only through the living and enduring Word of God that is the scriptures that are God-breathed, can we do this? Who can discern when he's, when he's right or wrong without the law? How can we know, you know, wh- you know how can we know that we, that we have erred in certain areas without the word of God? You know, in a fallen and unloving world, the word of God is the only reliable compass to help us navigate accordingly and lovingly. We live in a world where everybody loves whoever they please to love. We live in a world where love, you know, becomes tribal. We live in a world where love becomes very selective on color. We live in a world where love has certain, you know, has certain uh, a preface to it. Before I love you, I need you to do this. You know, that's the kind of world we live in. And God calls us out of that. He says, no, now you ought to be holy as I am holy. You are not to be living as the way that you used to live. And it's the word of God that is, listen to that word, reliable. It is a reliable compass. It is not the only. There's other compasses. Other people follow, you know, um, other other. Uh, um, other abstract ways of trying to do what is right and and, and it may work to a certain degree. But the most reliable compass to help us is the Word of God. It is error-free for us. We will be confronted when we need to be. We will be encouraged when we need to be because it is living and it is active. And it will help us navigate ourselves through this unloving world. And how do we love those who treat us bad? The Word of God teaches us that. How do we love those who, who backstab us, who, who speak ill of us? You know, how do we love our enemy? How do we love those who persecute us? Well, the Word of God teaches us through the examples of Christ, through, through the, a, a new way, a new perspective of looking at things. It is God's Word that teaches us, even if you're suffering It is not an excuse to mistreat people. Even if you are being uh, marginalized, it is not an excuse to mistreat people. Even if there is hate upon you, it is not an excuse to mistreat people. Remember Jesus said, if they hate you, just remember that they hated me first. So don't be surprised that the world mistreats you. You know, they mistreated Jesus. Don't be surprised that the world doesn't accept you in all the circles. They didn't accept Jesus in all the circles. You know, don't be so surprised when people speak ill of you. That's why the Bible talks a lot about false witnesses. So we need to understand that this is going to happen. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And we need to know how to react to this. And that's where the Word of God teaches us, um, how to do this. Uh, and again, we need this daily. And you will see this in your life, that some days you may fail in this. Uh, some days we may uh, speak out of line. We may walk out of line. But it's the Word of God that reminds us of who we are in Him and our responsibilities You know, we will never outgrow the Word of God. It's impossible. Therefore, we will never outgrow the call to love one another fervently. We are never going to outgrow that. It's not like we're going to achieve it and get a certificate saying, you know what, I've mastered it. You know, I now am the most loving person. No, it doesn't happen in this world. Okay, nobody's going to give you a a certificate of being the most loving person. You may be self-proclaimed, but you know that that's wrong. And so we we are not going to arrive in this world being the most loving person. Person. So we need God's word to purge us, to clean us, to, we, we need to be sincere with ourselves. We need to be honest and say, you know what, I need God's word. I need it. And, and that's where God works in our lives. You know, notice that Peter is quoting a familiar passage from Isaiah 40, you know, to emphasize this. He says in verse 24, all flesh is like grass. This is a beautiful poetic section. You know, all flesh is like grass in all its glory, like the flower of grass, the grass withers and the flower falls off. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which is preached to you. You know, Peter's quoting a familiar passage that they would have known from Isaiah chapter forty, and he, he is demonstrating a clear message of contrast. And I love these things in Scripture because it, it it brings it down to an elementary level for us to understand. You know, we have to understand the disciples were not the most educated folks, right? the 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 the, the early church not everybody could understand all these things. So Jesus. Taught the disciples learn from Jesus, you know, in ways that people could understand. Right? They used images uh, of their culture. They they, they use uh, the seeds. They use the sower. They use things that they can relate to to understand the message, and which is very beautiful. And he's demonstrating something of contrast here that I want us to take note of. You know, it, it, like I said, it's a way of teaching that not just in the New Testament, even in the Old Testament, obviously. That it, when some, when the writer wants to, in a, a, um, to solidify a point, we can say, he 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 brings these 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 beautiful uh, metaphorical pictures. Is there's in Scripture we see contrasts such as the temporal the, or the temporary and the eternal, the corruptible and the incorruptible, the human, the divine, the unrighteous and the righteous. The foolish and the wise. If you want clear examples, just read through Proverbs. There's a contrast. In every in every chapter, there's a contrast. And he's saying, If you're wise, therefore you will look like this. If you're foolish, you're gonna act like this. There's there's always a contrast there. You know, it's clear, you know, that some things are meant to last while others are not meant to last. Some things will endure and others won't. That's what Peter's saying. And he says, there's going to be some things that are going to be long lasting. There's going to be some things that endure, but keep your eyes out because some things are not meant to last forever. And those are the things that we focus upon sometimes more than the eternal things of the kingdom of heaven. You know, some have a temporary beauty, loveliness, you know, and others have an eternal loveliness and, be- and beauty. You know, he is expanding on this point, you know, that our salvation, you know, from where we derive our love for one another comes from an incorruptible eternal imperishable seed not something fading away with culture with trends you know with time you know uh, and withering away he's saying look your love is grounded upon something that is not gonna just wither and fade away you know and this is an important point know that the love that we're where we're grounding our love the word of god is imperishable incorruptible right this 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 is this is an eternal word of God and it's clear that this is what Peter wants the readers to know this is where we derive this love from it is the word of God that endures forever our words will not endure forever you know what we do in this life will not endure forever what, where we invest into the kingdom of God, those are the eternal things. That's why in Matthew it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, right? And all those things will be added to you. Those things that will be added to you are not the things that matter the most. And those are the things that draw our most attention, our energy, our resources, those things of, of what we will eat, what we will wear, where we will live, and etc., right? and And Jesus says, look, Focus first on the kingdom of God and His righteousness. In other words, being like Him, doing what He would do acting as he would live in a way that you're not so uh, uh, worried and carried away with the little things of life and you miss the big picture. You miss me. He, you know, he's saying, don't miss me as many did, right? When he walked upon this earth, they were with the master and they missed him. You know, they saw him, they heard it, and they just missed it because they were more concerned over the small things of life. You know and so he's expanding on this point of our salvation. You know, and notices that all the glitter and the pomp and the eloquence and the beauty and the power of our present day and culture is like grass and flowers, you know, slowly withering and fading away and won't last or won't be remembered. Remember this, all of this you can look at history, and I encourage you, read history. Read American history. Read world history. Read church history. Look at history, and you see an interesting thing, that all the glitter and the pomp and the eloquence and the beauty does not last forever. Right now, the hype of whatever it is will soon die away, and there'll be a new thing. All the complaints about something will soon die away, and there'll be a new one. You know, all the all the, the wickedness will soon fade away to a corner, and new wickedness will pop up. And so for all these things... Will fade away. And Peter's saying, look, all these things, you know, flesh is like grass. We are withering away, you know, slowly, day after day. You know, this body, this cage is not la- it's not meant to last forever. It's fading away, and all the beauty and the accessories of life will fade away. Everything we own it's gonna die you know that house that car that phone that that those clothes uh those treasures earthly treasures that you have will all rust away or moth will get to it or somebody else will get to it but you're not taking anything and peter's saying look our love is grounded upon this enduring living word that is not like these things of the world therefore our love we cannot outgrow this love it is grounded upon the besting the rock of ages and so just keep that in mind, you know, because that is an important thing for us to remember, because we get caught up in all the glitter and the pomp and the eloquence and the beauty of the world because we live in this world. And let us not forget that those things are not the things that matter. What matters is the love of Christ within us and the eternal things of the kingdom. You know, all things have an end and an expiration day. Everything, everything has an end and an expiration day. Even our mortal bodies, as I was explaining, are decaying day after day. But it is the inner man, as Scripture teaches us, that is being renewed day after day. The outer man is dying, but the inner man is only growing. You know, at the end of the day, it's only His Word that will endure forever. That's it. The only word that's going to stand the test of time is the word of God. At the end of the day, what God says, is what's going to be fulfilled. Not what man says, not man's promises. What God promised will be fulfilled. You know, it's the effectiveness and we can say the potency of the word that will help us and guide us to not place our faith upon the flesh upon the things of the world you know the earthly the temporal glitter that will be gone like the wind glitter looks beautiful for a little bit and then it just gets everywhere and then you can't even vacuum it right and then it's gone with the wind right it just looks nice for a little bit right well that's the things of the world you know they look good for a little bit then they just get in the way and then they're gone you know we have to remember that our rebirth is not through any seed our rebirth is through it, 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 this seed it represents in verse twenty three when he says, "For you have been born again not of seed, right? Which is imperishable, right? Or it, well, we, it, or, or I'm sorry, which is perishable, but that which is imperishable, right? The seed that we have been born again through is not corruptible. That seed is not a, a earthly thing. That seed it's it's an eternal, imperishable, incorruptible thing that comes through God Himself." and the seed represents the beginning of life and he's saying that 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 seed that's going to spring forth into your life that's your new birth your new life that the beginning of the seed is already imperishable it's already incorruptible and therefore from that seed will flow the fruit from that seed will flow the riches of the glory of Christ from that seed you know we will bear the image of of God and that's a, that's a really beautiful thing. You know that our love for one another is in this imperishable seed. You know as the seed is watered as it is planted, you know properly, as it is cared for, you know may it bring out of us the fruit of the spirit. That's what happens. The fruit of the Spirit is not forced out. It comes as a natural result of us being the children of God. The, the, the fruit of the Spirit is not, it's not something that we, that we just hang on ourselves as artificial things. No, no, this is the work of the Spirit in our lives. You know, let me end with this. You know, A new life and a new love is possible through the living and enduring Word of God. As the seed of our new birth is watered, this is why we read Scripture, we fellowship, we worship Him. We do everything that we can to water that seed, to grow. Why? Because in that growth, we will produce the love of Christ. We will produce the righteousness. We will produce holiness. All these things will be produced out of us because it comes from the seed that is God Himself. It is God in our lives. It is not us producing. It is God. As... Um, and let me close with these words from Paul uh, to the Galatians. He says, Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Not, let us not become boastful, challenging one another, and envying one another. So may this truth be within us. Let us not become boastful, for there's nothing to boast about except the fact that we have been born again, that we know him. Let us not challenge one another. Let us lovingly, fervently care and sincerely love one another, you know, and not envying one another. We should not we should not envy you know we should not covet we should love when we should rejoice when it goes good for somebody else we should rejoice when somebody else uh um, has something that we don't we should not envy we should understand that what we have is what we have and if we don't have it pray for it and if you don't get it you know live in gratitude who cares you know we have to be looking at the blessings of our lives and and um Uh, So, yeah, you know, I I don't want to emphasize on on, what Paul said to the Galatians, but as Peter was, you know, as Peter draws uh, an end to this section right here, um, you know, we are grounding our love upon this word that endures forever. Our love is right there. It comes from the very word of God himself. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you, Lord, for uh, this Lord's Day. We thank you for your goodness. And uh, we thank you for this word as we as we are being instructed by it, as we teach it. I pray that our lives will richly, God, uh, be encouraged by it, that we will be uh, convicted in areas that need to be convicted, God, and know that our love must be grounded upon the living and enduring word of God, that, uh, that as a flower, you know, will fade away in this life, as the grass will wither, Our love is not grounded upon those earthly things, but is grounded upon you, Lord, upon your word. And as Peter said to the church, and this is the word that was preached to you, Lord. This is the word that saves us. And we recognize that it is through your word that we are made new, that we are made whole. I pray that my brothers and sisters and wherever they may be dispersed, that they will exemplify, that they will show this love, Lord, not just to our brothers and sisters in Christ, but to everybody else. We must love neighbor as ourselves, Lord. I pray that as we are challenged, that we will be encouraged also knowing that you are with us to help us, Lord. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.